At one of the much better schools I worked at, better by the measure, the teachers were very caring, and by the measure, the students rather enjoyed their days as much as possible within a coercive system, as much as they could anyway. A well-intentioned service reliably crushed the dreams of large numbers of teenagers on a particular single day each year. It was not the regular set of tests or assessments. Indeed, the teachers had nothing whatever to do with this particular event. In fact, it worked in opposition to those teachers' best efforts at instilling in students confidence, joy of learning, and a sense of accomplishment and pride in themselves each year. The school administrators, because presumably of parental demand and pressure, would go through one cruel ritual that undid for an entire cohort what was, I thought, otherwise less damaging work done over the previous four years of their schooling. Less damaging, I say, as compared to almost all other schools that I'm aware of. Schooling is compulsory in Australia, so it's important to choose a good one. But this is a tale of how even the best can utterly ruin what good work, or as I say, less damaging work, was accomplished. By so-called year 10 of high school, this particular school that I worked at had well-qualified, kind and knowledgeable teachers helping the students learn and making it as fun as possible, and of course reliably failing, but they did try, and helping ensure the mental health, psychological well-being, of the students was, as far as possible, within that coercive system preserved, or even improved at times. Teachers would do things like mark and remark and remark again, assessments and essays and exams to maximise the performance of students. In short, the teachers were, broadly speaking, on the side of the students. But the administration did one remarkable thing each year to students in their fourth year of high school, what we call year 10. This is 15 and 16 year olds. And what was this thing that they did? Well, they contracted an outside company of psychologists in the main to come in and administer a battery of intellectual IQ type tests on these students. In addition to all their other assessments and exams that they did do throughout the course of the year, the students would undergo a number of tests on numeracy, more advanced mathematics, so-called mechanical reasoning, physics type questions, other kinds of science questions, grammar and vocabulary questions, and the solving of puzzles and more besides. What united all these questions and tests were that they were on content you could not study for. You couldn't prepare for this particular test. The questions were utterly unknown. The claim was they were testing inherent mental skills. When I worked there as a teacher, I had the philosophy of mind then as I do now. As often as I could, I reminded my own students, you can do whatever you like and learn whatever you like. The only difference is your interest. If somehow you can find it interesting, you will want to go home and just consume it and become a little obsessed with it, and it will not be difficult, it'll be fun, because you will find it interesting. The trick is to somehow find it interesting, to become curious about it. I don't know what the trick is beyond just trying for a while or finding a teacher who can make it interesting, or perhaps a book, or a YouTube video, or something. These days, there's all sorts of stuff on the internet about whatever you want to improve in, especially on YouTube and videos. If you really want to improve, then you can find a source that makes it fun. So this is what happened. Each year, 
confident, joyful, bright students who I'd taught this particular lesson to about so-called intelligence and interest. Each year I would teach them this kind of thing, and each year those confident, joyful, bright students that I had taught for many years, and perhaps whom other teachers had also likewise helped foster a sense of confidence in, and you can do whatever you want kind of attitude, were taken into the grand examination hall to undergo this battery of tests administered by trained educational psychologists. It was all very official and a little intimidating, as many exams are. It was, of course, explained to all the students that the results of these tests have no bearing on your final marks. Relief. A little bit of fun, indeed, compared to those tests which did have some bearing on the students' final grades in their report. It was said these tests were more like a test of your personality and might help with career choices later on. More fun, just personality quizzes. And at that age, teenagers are passionately curious about things like their own personality and the possibility of careers are a major part of their dreams and goals. This would be fun doing this test. So they would sit the test and come out of it every single year as they did any other test, though perhaps a little more dismissive of this particular test, more smiles, less concern. After all, it didn't count. But then, months later, the results would come back. Just before they had to choose what subjects they were going to take on in their senior years of school, in year 11 and 12. And this is when everything changed. And for some students, it changed dramatically. The students were impressionable, of course. The students were told over and again, Psychology is a careful and precise science, and psychologists are the people you go to for help should you ever need it. While the latter is a fine and admirable heuristic, the former is utter baloney. What happened was, the results of these tests were broken down into types of reasoning. I cannot remember the exact details, and I don't want to provide them anyway in order to preserve the privacy of everyone involved. This school wasn't unusual. It's now a routine practice, especially in so-called elite private colleges in Sydney. But this practice, this phenomena, is far more broad than just Sydney and Australia. Students, and hence their parents and the school administrators, were given a breakdown of their performance on these tests across things like basic numeracy and logical thinking and mathematical thinking and mechanical thinking and interpersonal skills and communication and vocabulary and many more things besides and many did not score as high as they might have thought in things like mathematical or logical or mechanical reasoning, and this upset them. But that was not the worst thing, no. These professionals left the absolute soul-crushing part of the report right until the end. At the end of the report was a list of careers and professions the student was most suited for as a result of the test. And then also the careers and professions the students were apparently less suited for. And you can guess exactly what happened. Not always, but once would be too often, of course. But it happened every year to a large number of students, to some extent or other. Those who aspired to be scientists or engineers and had hitherto always performed well in every science and mathematics assessment task given to them at the school were, for the first time, assessed low on mathematics mechanics and logic, and were told you'd be well suited to being a journalist or a politician or a lawyer because they did better on the vocabulary and grammar portion of this particular test. While aspiring artists, lawyers and doctors were told sometimes, 
well, you're not creative enough, you're not good enough at communicating or sufficiently empathetic and so on. And perhaps you'd be better suited to a trade like hairdressing or working outdoors or perhaps going into childcare work. But this report had great authority. It was administered with gravitas and the results delivered with great seriousness. The report was always excruciatingly comprehensive too, printed on high quality paper with graphs and high sounding terms. It resembled some kind of medical or pathology readout. In places returning the results of a blood test where experts had to worryingly pore over the numbers to see what it all meant for the well-being of the patient. The numbers were then broken down into further fine detail. And for the layperson, of course, the data seemed terribly complex. The easy-to-digest simple summary, though, meant you knew what it all meant at a glance. You never really needed to look at the detail in the numbers, much less question their validity or reasoning. Some teachers complained. Of course, I complained. But there was a market for this. Parents demanded this kind of thing because other schools did it. And after all, psychology is a science, so perhaps we should take seriously the results of this test. And yes, I admit, most teachers took the test seriously as well, saying things like, well, although X has done rather well on their mathematics until now, the psychological assessment indicates their actual native numeracy skill is rather low. Are we sure that Jennifer can take on the higher levels of mathematics that she wants in her final year of school, pre-university? I got to look at the test once. It was nothing but a set of puzzles, questions phrased in a way deliberately to be utterly different to the way students were familiar with how questions were put to them in other tests, other standard tests on a day-to-day -day basis in school. It was utterly unfamiliar. This psychological test, not studied for, was assessing perfectly learnable material. It was a bag of tricks and bits of knowledge any of those students could have learned in a week to ace the test across all indicators, but they were told this was assessing their natural talents in certain areas. So there was no point in studying, and of course the test was strictly copyright. No one was allowed to keep or make copies of the test, and they were carefully guarded online and remained so. We wouldn't want anyone gaming the system, right? It was a soul-crushing, confidence-destroying exercise every single year. I saw many students lose heart. Aspiring engineers simply give up from that day on. No matter my sitting with them in their exasperation and explaining, those psychologists don't know what they're talking about. This test means nothing. The students appreciated it, but one could see behind their eyes. There's Mr Hall again, just trying to explain why some subjects aren't as good as physics or real science. Now is not the time, Mr Hall, for your jokes. This is a little more serious. Actual psychologists have, after all, just assessed my brain. Mrs So-and-so, who has a PhD in psychology here at the school, taught us in psychology class how reliably predictive these kind of tests are. The school chooses to do this every single year to students. They care about us. Anyways, I've always thought maybe I could actually just work with my dad. He's got an accountancy firm and, well, they take on trainees each year.